Hey, y'all. Pretend we're football for the next hour. I'm your host, Will Bazer. I'm joined alongside by Tim Preston and Johnny Brashear, as always. You guys listen to the Budos Band bringing us in. Today, we're going to be talking about the Oklahoma and Oklahoma State's games. Texas blows the doors off of Oklahoma after a pretty shaky game against Oklahoma State. What was behind the disparity in those two games? Is Oklahoma State an anomaly, or is Oklahoma an anomaly? And at Iowa State, is going to be the, the most difficult game Texas has played uh, since Seton Hall as an away team. Talk about what you expected of them, and then touch on Kansas State, because we've already seen them. Guys, it is 10-14. Let's get going. There was a stark contrast between the games, between the Oklahoma teams. Texas was really bad on offense against Oklahoma State. And then it seemed like things sort of picked up against Oklahoma. They were decent on defense against Oklahoma State, and they were just lights out against Oklahoma. What was the difference there between those two teams? Uh, if you're not reading Johnny's Substack, you should. Um, usually it's every other game. He'll put some stuff down. I thought he did a really good job in this in this post game for those to kind of break down those pieces. And um, the conversation that we've had about Texas's lack of athleticism is is just going to rear its head from time to time. Um, and I think when Texas plays against teams that can that can match or exceed our athleticism, the ability to stay in front of the ball on defense, explosiveness around the rim. Um, ability to contest shots at our at the rim, um, you know things like that. When we play a team that can outmatch us athletically, I do think this team has a pretty specific path to victory, and they just did not do that against Oklahoma State. Um, they allowed Oklahoma State to dictate the tempo for us on our offensive side of the ball. Um, we struggled to, again, we struggled to find some of our offensive sets. Um, like looking for guys on curls, finding some of our shooters in open spots. It felt like we moved the ball without a whole lot of purpose. Um, we didn't find open looks for DeSue on the perimeter. The, the couple of three-point shots he took were not in rhythm. I mean, they could not have been less in rhythm. Jace didn't get looks. Um, obviously, not having Mitchell was was a bit of a downer for that game. But but regardless, it just it felt like Oklahoma State just had athletes that they could throw at us in waves, and and we didn't really have either the mindset, you know, call it aggressiveness, call it assertiveness, call it just like, hey, just not kind of being ready to play. And um, I, I'm not sure that, that this was a game that if you play that game on that day 10 times, it, it really just felt like even as Texas kind of got close, Oklahoma State was just more ready, more uh, more into the game. And because of their... And is Oklahoma State an exceptionally athletic team? Yeah, they are. No doubt about that. Um, you know, they have they have good length they've got some really explosive athletes the boom brothers can just really jump and go um likely he's got great length and strength as well as foot quickness anderson's the same way i'm forgetting the other guard for oklahoma state they can really defend wills i don't remember anyway sorry um there's the two braces yeah um and it just i just felt like it was it was a it was an example of a team that that really can kind of punch us in the mouth athletically and it just felt like oklahoma state was like you can't hurt us like you just you can't hurt us offensively, Texas, and I think we play right into their hands, and and that was just sort of it. So in the Oklahoma State Oklahoma State game, it just felt like that uh, that lack of athleticism kind of came back to bite us. So, well, now I'm blushing. 
so this is this is awkward. Uh, allow me to return the favor. Um, if you are not a member of Tim's OnlyFans account, you're really missing out. It's it's amazing. Really, it's 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 something. To the behold. things he does with vegetables is is both disgusting and erotic. It's um, there's there's it's impressive. It's really, it's really it's just not in that order. <laughs> not in that order. You just he he really strikes that balance of where you don't feel the shame until later. So it's it's a beautiful thing. Um, yeah, it's effectively what happened was they 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 said uh, Bryce Williams, you're going to stay in front of Mark's car. And he did. And so Mark's car didn't really ever get downhill. Um, they did a, a hedge, a soft hedge that was basically holding the guard, usually car or Ramey, in place until the, uh, the guard who was involved in the pick and roll could recover and get back in front of him. And that pretty much effectively stymied car for most of the game. Uh, he didn't, didn't seem comfortable at any point in time. Uh, also, the you know uh, Oklahoma State has the athletes like Cisse who can uh, prevent a guy like Timmy Allen or Desu uh, or you know from getting a post entry pass in the first place and if they do they do a pretty good job of walling them up um, and that's you saw a lot of that there was a lot of Timmy Allen you know with his pivot foot twelve feet away from his body trying to figure out what to do with himself. Uh, which is it's not exactly a position of power. So, yeah, that's, I mean, they did that, and they were able to use that to force turnovers at a pretty high rate. Uh, Texas turned the ball over at a, if it's not their highest turnover percentage of the year, it's got to be really close. Um, and, you know, at, at the end of it, it was just, it, there wasn't anybody to pick up the slack. Uh, nobody else could really get loose to to do anything. And, if Texas is, does not have a significant advantage in turnovers forced, uh, at least a, a percentage of turnovers forced, and they're not getting a bunch of rebounds and they're not shooting lights out from three, it's probably a wrap against about half of the Big 12. So that's that's sort of what happened against Oklahoma State. But it did seem like Oklahoma took some notes from that and did try to play in front of Texas players, you know, off of screens, to make sure that they always stay in front of Marcus Carr. I mean, Marcus Carr didn't have a, a terribly, I mean, it wasn't a bad game against Oklahoma, but it wasn't, you know, a great game, only nine points. But it seemed like Texas was able to find other ways around that, you know, with a hot Andrew Jones. Yeah. And, you know, being able to use Courtney Ramey, Bishop, and Allen at times, but really it seems like Andrew Jones kind of lifted them above. Is that, is that sort of what happened is yeah. Texas kind of got past the lack of athleticism by just having the right amount of, you know, Andrew Jones. Yeah, well, so I think the, the difference is that, I, so I don't think Texas is much like a significantly better team than Oklahoma, but I do think that Texas is a bad matchup for Oklahoma. I, I think the individual players, hmm. Uh, don't don't match up well, and uh, you know uh, Porter Moser didn't really do his team any favors by the way he was using Groves uh, most of the game. Um, for example, so I, I get that they were trying to establish Groves down in the paint, get him passes on the low block, uh, but that clearly wasn't happening very early on. And Groves is maybe their second best three point shooter, and he got no outside shots that I ever saw. I mean, maybe there might have been one in there somewhere, but like 
it felt like Mosier just didn't didn't make any changes. And so if your most important, at worst, second most important guy on your team is just erased and you're not doing anything to get him involved, then you're not going to win a game like that. Uh, so that's, I, I was surprised by that because Mosier's generally a better, you know, better, better mind than that. And, you know, maybe he had his reasons. I don't know. I, I don't think they did as much of the uh, soft hedge drop coverage stuff that at Oklahoma State did. Uh, they did a more switching, and Texas was able to take advantage of that to some degree. Um, I think, you know, Andrew Jones got hot, and that's great. And when he's hot like that, and he they're able to get out and, and get going and, and get him, you know, get him moving like that, then they're going to they're gonna win games. Like, if Andrew Jones had been that hot against Oklahoma State – they might have beat Oklahoma State because it was a fairly close game for most of it. Um, so, you know, uh, it, it, and just tell Andrew Jones every game is against Oklahoma and Texas is undefeated. Yeah, he yeah, he loves shooting against Oklahoma for whatever reason, and thank God for that. So, yeah, I I don't I don't know if I would call one game or the other an anomaly. I think it is as much about the the matchups of of those two lineups um, versus Texas as anything. So I, you know, I I don't know that either one either of them is is should be considered like a a huge predictor of the rest of the season um, or an arbiter of how things are going to go. I I appreciate what Johnny says with that, and I think that that when I hate to be a to to kind of harp on this one kind of piece of the uh, of what Texas does or doesn't do well, but. I don't think that Oklahoma has the athletic depth of Oklahoma State. Um, you know, we talked about this in the preview that Oklahoma, their starting five play heavy minutes. And um, when they're not as effective, Oklahoma's not as effective. And to Johnny's point about Groves, uh, Tanner, not Jacob, right? Jacob's the younger one, I want to say. Um, Jacob actually thought was, was more effective on the perimeter than, than Tanner was, which is not what I expected necessarily going into the game. But so when, when Texas and whatever opponent we're talking about have a have an athletic comparableness, that's the wrong way. If they're comparable athletically, Texas is so skilled that I do think that they have a good advantage against just about everybody they play. Not not necessarily every single team, but for the most part, if if it's if your athletes compared to our, our athletes are, are similar. We, we've got guys that can score. We've got guys that can pass. We've got guys that can move in the open floor. We have guys that can shoot when they need to. Um, and I think that against Oklahoma, as Johnny said, some of those good matchups for us were the fact that Oklahoma just really couldn't hurt us athletically. And so our skill showed out. Um, you know, and so I don't take a ton from that because Oklahoma, um, they, I don't want to say that they mirror Texas as far as like, you know, being the same kind of team, but I do think they're pretty comparable as far as like, again, they have smart players. They got some transfers that have been around the block before. Um, obviously, Mosier wants to control tempo in the same similar ways to how Beard does. It's not the exact same, but very comparable. And so that's, yeah, I, I don't know that we're going to play a lot of teams in the Big 12. I mean, plenty of teams in the Big 12 want to control tempo. Tech wants to control tempo. Baylor still kind of wants to control tempo. Certainly like a team like Kansas State and, and Iowa State want to control tempo. But um, not quite in the exact same ways that what we saw against Oklahoma. But I, I do think that Johnny's accurate that it's a, it's a positive matchup for us. And 
Um, and like Johnny said too, like I think that Mosier just made a mistake. Like if if you want to pressure a guy like Christian Bishop or Tim or or, or Dylan DeSue, I think you make them defend on the perimeter. You don't say like, hey, let's test your strength down low and your ability to absorb absorb contact. Like defensively, those guys can do that. That's no problem. The question of foot speed, the question of closing out, the question of helping and then recovering—that's a little bit different for our for our big men, especially Bishop. But but both of our guys, and if, you know, I think Mitchell played what like two minutes, something like that, in this game. So, um, and and Febris didn't play at all. Who like Febris actually kind of gets some minutes down low as a as a defensive player. He's he's one that kind of switches off a decent amount with that too. So, um, you know, yeah, yeah, I think it's I think that. Um, as as not wonderful of a of a matchup as Oklahoma State was at least for a, for that game, um, it feels like Texas was was kind of equally up to the task against Oklahoma and and maybe even in Norman, um, hopefully we'll have a you know I don't think we look at that game and say oh well, well wait till we get back to Norman because I think you know we talked about it like first team to sixty that's kind of what it was you know Texas just happened to win by a decent amount but that's probably what it will be in in Norman as well yeah and I think um, I don't think that this score is really reflective of how these two teams compare in that Oklahoma had some really open looks from three that just didn't go down. They didn't hit enough of their free throws. Like they, there were, there were self-inflicted wounds on their part that exacerbated what was already a disadvantage for them. So um, I don't think Texas is a, is 20 points better than Oklahoma. Um, I think the, in this particular game, the, the stars sort of aligned for them to do that. I would expect the, the next game to be a, a significantly closer game, a, you know, sort of five to eight point game kind of game. Um, but yeah, the, the one for 13 from three was, was just rough. And then they made, you know, f- less than 60% of their free throws. So that's just, you're not going to win a lot of games that way. I remember that somebody made a special offer to pay $20 if we never say the words we're never going to say again. Yeah, that was that was in my in my private messages, yes. Was that in your private yeah, yeah. messages? We can okay. talk about it. I don't care. It's just been no, there. no, it's it's somebody somebody is paying Johnny good money to make sure that he never says we should beat another team again. They offered I I haven't seen it show up yet. Okay, so we can, we're still going to say it. <laughs> Because that, I mean, that's honestly what happened against Oklahoma State. That's the real reason Texas lost to Oklahoma State is on the show we said we should beat them, right? Yeah, pretty much. That's that's how it is. Yeah. So I do want to I do want to ask Texas over the past four games, five games now, they've had four pretty solid games in those five, and then they had Oklahoma State. But one thing that's kind of been, you know, it's happened against pretty much every single team except for this Oklahoma team, and even then a little bit, was they haven't had like a full game where they have one, both halves were good. There's either like one half is sort of lacking and the other half kind of makes up for that. We saw that the biggest disparity in the past five games was Kansas State, obviously, right? But it's happened in the past five games, even though four of those five games have been pretty solid. What is happening there? Is that a maybe taking your foot off the gas, or is it a need for in-game management? What is what's the key here? What's going on? Well, there's a there's a couple things at play. Uh, one is that Texas, the last couple of away games, has started slowly. Like they just they they haven't been in sync. They've 
had more turnovers in the first five minutes than they would in the last 10 or 15 kind of thing. It's just, they've, they just, they've been sloppy to start and that's part of what's gotten them in holes early. Um, and, and they need to, they need to figure that out. And I don't, I don't know the reason for why they seem to be semi consistently doing this on the road. Uh, it needs to get figured out because you do that against Baylor and it's church. Right. Um, so there's that. I, I think any team that is as offensively brittle as Texas is, is going to have droughts. When I say brittle, I mean like against Oklahoma State, Oklahoma State said, we're going to basically keep Carr out of the paint and you got to figure it out. And Texas just kind of shut down. They didn't They didn't know exactly what to do. When, when the two games before it, Carr was able to get in the paint and they did well. Um, and then, you know, sometimes they'll have these six or eight minute stretches where they just either they're not uh, paying enough attention to detail or they are turning the ball over on sloppy, you know, sloppy possessions or, or whatever. They have these, these stretches where it's just, it doesn't, it doesn't look good. It doesn't look precise. There's not enough flow to it. Maybe, you know, one or two players is, is just the ball sticks with them when it should be moving around. It, it, it's just, it's sort of how this offense is, and I don't think it's going to get a ton better as the season goes on, particularly as the schedule gets harder, um, because this team is sort of who they are at this point. We're now over halfway through the regular season. Gains at this point are probably going to be incremental um, at best. So I think it's, I mean, I just think it's it's a combination of that stuff, and and I don't know that I, I expect it to get a lot better. Uh, I think they will have a game here and there where the offense just looks really solid the entire time. Um, but I think more often than not, we're going to see these these droughts of some size pop up, whether it's at the beginning of the game or you know around halftime seems to happen a lot, that kind of stuff. I, I think that's just going to be part part of how things go. Yeah, and I think we're missing two things in particular. I do think that we're missing the kind of true point guard play. And I, I don't, as much as I love Coleman, I never felt like he 100% reached the potential that I thought maybe he could have had the promise he had when he came to Texas. I mean, he got recruited by Duke, and I don't know that he was ever quite at that level. I mean, he was terrific in the Big 12 tournament last year and certainly had a lot of games where he was dynamite for Texas. But it, it like they never got to like first-team Big 12 status, which was my hope for him when he first came in. But I still think we're missing a player like that someone that just kind of has that nuance and understanding of like, how can we like, Oh, Jace hasn't gotten a shot in a while. Oh, Andrew needs a shot over here. Oh, Courtney's better when we like, you know, or whatever it might be that we're dismissing that kind of that true point guard feel to, to the team because you know, when you need a when you need a basket and like things are bogging down or whatever, someone that can break down a defense, unlock the defense and, and creates those shots for others. And then, <laughs> <laughs> you know, obviously it was against Oklahoma, so, so it, was, it was a good win. But I'm not sure if either of you guys, I'm sure, I, I'm guessing you did. But there was a time when uh, when Courtney Ramey got into the lane uh, <laughs> against Oklahoma and threw an alley-oop to Bishop. And like that's an alley-oop that, that, that Sims would have just, like, caught and, like, dunked on the way up. And Bishop's like, what, there's a ball? And the ball just kind of floated past over him or whatever. Yeah. And you could just sort of see, like, Courtney just sort of slink his head down. <laughs> and and we're just – I just think that we're missing that. Like, we're just – we don't have that ability. Like, we can get some dump downs and we can get some second chance points and we can get some guys that are, you know, finding looks on the interior. But it's different than, like, having that athletic, dynamic playmaking on the, on the interior that we can count on. And, 
you know, I just, I, we said before the season, like we're missing that athletic rim protector and, and guy that can go up and finish. And that has played itself out. And then we're also missing kind of that dynamic playmaker from a point guard standpoint. And, and that's kind of playing its, its itself out. So, um, yeah, that's that's sort of what I think is going on. And certainly that Beard, I don't think that Beard's offensive system does him a ton of favors when they're struggling. You know, it's a situation where because of how we play and certainly how we play defensively, it's almost like an eight point lead is kind of like a 16 point lead. Like you can almost double whatever uh, the normal kind of point differential might be because of uh, the tempo that we play at and the way that we're able to control the game. But that kind of has the inverse effect when we're struggling offensively that it's it's tough for us to say, oh, well, we can get this stuff early. We just we don't do that. And it's not to say that Texas can't get a, you know, can get some points in a hurry. Certainly it's 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 there. But when you're playing a team that's really good or when you're playing a team that's kind of dialed in and we're struggling with that standpoint, it doesn't feel like, hey, we can get points in bunches whenever we want. Like if they get hot, awesome. But you just can't really count on that in the same way that you maybe would for a team that plays a little bit faster and is used to that tempo. So is, was, I guess I, was there yeah. any point in the Oklahoma state game in like, just, just say the second half where you thought Texas was going to actually take the lead. Cause I didn't <sighs> No. Yes. Yeah, there was. I mean, there was one, there was one very close point where like they were Texas down to sort of, sort of, it was Oklahoma state was like on a, like a three minute, like scoring drought and Texas had started to hit like some threes and some layups. And then all of a sudden Oklahoma state hits a three and then they hit another three and it's just like, all right. And then Texas finished out the game without scoring a point for the last like three minutes. Yeah. And, and Johnny and I are just going to have to agree to disagree, I think on Timmy Allen, but I, I still feel like f- for me, the more that he, the more that he's involved with it, I, I hate to kind of call it fool's gold and, and be nasty to Timmy. Cause he's a, he's a, terrific player no doubt about it I just especially when I talk about guys that struggle athletically he's maybe the poster child as much as just about anybody him and Carr I guess are the two that I would um and I guess Andrew <laughs> uh and Bishop so, okay there's four poster but <laughs> but uh but I I think that from that standpoint it just it felt like Timmy was was a focal point in that in that look and when that happens against teams that can combat you with with explosiveness and stay in front of the ball and and not bite when you're in the you know on those pump fakes that Timmy's doing or whatever that's just going to be what it is so yeah. so to, i guess to answer Johnny's question i i i don't know i understand what you mean will and and technically yes but it it de- it never felt like anything was easy and even when we got the, the the game close a number of times it it really felt like okay as soon as Oklahoma state hits a couple of shots this is going to be kind of untenable yeah so there was a two-point ceiling yeah but let's go ahead and move a little bit further on and and look at this from a further perspective the win against oklahoma state or the loss the loss against oklahoma state probably hurts texas's chances a lot in terms of you know finishing you know with with in what the, the top three of the conference but Beating Oklahoma, being as good a matchup against Oklahoma, it's a good start, right? Because as we've said, we need to have some sweeps to get to the third place or second place, even probably not sec, you know, third, maybe fourth place in the Big Big Twelve. You lost that against probably the last place Big Twelve team. You have a chance at doing that against Kansas State, and you have good starts against West Virginia and Oklahoma. How big were those games 
looking across, you know, looking forward to what Texas has in conference play? So I don't think Oklahoma State's still going to be the last place team. I, I think that oh Kansas State. Yeah, and they and uh, well, you said they lost lost the sweep chance against the the last place team. Um, right. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I mean, I you know Oklahoma, second to last place team. Sure. Yeah. I mean, not, I, I wouldn't be shocked. I know that I keep on saying this, but I I think eventually the the weight of not playing for anything may well do that. So yeah, Johnny's right in that they're not the worst team, but I I wouldn't be shocked at the end of the season if Oklahoma State is in last place. But I I think and, and Bruce Weber is on the hot seat, so the the Bruce Weber swing pendulum yeah, he's, is yeah, now he's, he's going to reel off five straight at some point, and everyone's mm-hmm. going to you know Kansas State AD is just going to sort of sigh and. You know, write the check. Ween, a new six uh, eight guy named Ween Dade is going to show up and all of a sudden just be really good. <laughs> like, oh, this yeah. guy can really play. Oh, yeah. What a beard on the guy. Yeah, that's, that's impressive. He looks dirty, but he plays like a 23-year-old. Um, yeah, so, I, yeah, I, I think I, I went through prior to the Oklahoma game and looked at the rest of the schedule to kind of get a, a feel for what I thought was – you know, like kind of what what I thought would happen with each game going forward, and I, I did sort of a, a a gut guess, and then went back and looked at individual matchups and you know things like their rebounding and turnovers and that that sort of stuff, and um and and I ended up with Texas at ten and eight. My initial one was them at eight and ten, which is not great, um, but I flipped a couple of them after looking at things. One of one of which was the game in Norman. I. I I flipped that to a win. Um, so, ten and eight. Wait, Johnny. Johnny, are you saying? Are you saying what I what I think you're saying? Yeah, that they should they should win. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's just another. So tw- mark that one down as a loss. That's yeah, another twenty dollars. Um, so I'm just gonna we're gonna keep racking these up. Somebody's gonna pay me twenty bucks to either say it or not say it. That's just every week. This this is my new income stream. Is is do I say it? Do I not? Um, yeah. So. Yeah, so I, you know, I I did that because I was trying to get a sense of one where I thought things would probably end up. Two to get a sense of what that tournament resume would look like uh, relative to some other historical teams. Bart Torvik's site has actually a pretty good resume comparison tool. That's that's kind of cool. Uh, you can you can look at that sort of thing. Um, and, and third, I just kind of wanted to see you know where I felt things were at and and whether the loss to Oklahoma State was a big deal, whether the win against Oklahoma was a big deal, that sort of thing. And um, I, I think the loss to Oklahoma State hurts. But at the same time, it, it hurts for, you know, like what you said, Texas needs a, at least a couple sweeps if they're going to try and get to 11 wins, right? Um, and, and they can't do it against Oklahoma State at this point. So that's that's one off off the board. I just sort of looked at it and felt like, the first eight games in conference play are way easier than the last 10 because the last 10 Texas six, uh, six of the last 10 games Texas plays are against tech Kansas or Baylor. So good luck. That means they got to stack wins now. So the Oklahoma state loss hurts in that, that if they're going to end up the first eight games worse than six and two, they're going to be looking at probably like a eight and ten, nine and nine type conference record at the end, at which point uh, they're definitely a bubble team, right? 
if they go six and two, if they go seven and one the first day, then maybe they got a chance to be upper half of the Big 12. They, they have a chance to uh, position themselves to do something Beard doesn't really like to do, which is win games in the Big 12 tournament uh, to add to their resume. So it's an opportunity lost in losing to Oklahoma State. Um, what's going to hurt more is if they drop a, an unscheduled one out of this these last eight, like, you know, home game against Kansas State would be a really bad one to lose, for example. So I guess I don't feel like it's a huge deal just because... But so, but they should win that one. Yeah, they should. Yeah, I said it. If they can't, if they can't sweep what I think is probably the worst team in the Big 12, then they don't... They, they, they've got bigger problems. I... For me, this I guess I don't get too up or down about this because so much of this team feels already baked in. Like, there doesn't feel like there's a wild variance at play with this team one way or the other. It's not like, you know, Shaka teams, it was, hey, they might go 12 and 6 or 6 and 12. We don't really know because there's a lot of, a lot of unknowns. Uh, more often than not, it ended up being like 9 and 9. But still, it was like, there was, there was a lot of questions and... I don't have a lot of questions about these guys. I don't have a lot of questions about how they match up with these teams. It's just sort of how are they going to execute in a given night and, uh, you know, how those other teams are going to defend them. So it's just I can't really come up with a plausible scenario that, that is outside of 8-10 and 10 to 10-8, and eight, really, at this point, barring some something massive. Yeah, I think they that Texas probably, you know, without looking ahead from the player standpoint, I think the coaching staff probably... Um, if you had asked them, they would probably have said, "Hey, we need to be seven and one after our first eight games." Yep. A loss like the Oklahoma State game puts that in pretty real jeopardy. <laughs> yeah, obviously, no no room for error from that standpoint. So, so as Johnny said, those those last that last handful of games. I mean, again, the Big Twelve is loaded, so it's not like to say that the, any of these games are easy and like, oh, they, these should be sure wins, but. But those last those last ten games are brutal. There's a number of like Saturday to Monday games. Certainly, there's a there's a number of situations where, where obviously, when you go to Baylor, to Tech, to Kansas, it, that's 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 tough. No matter when you play them, and um, and you kind of just wonder. Like I, I do think that this is one of those. You we we can talk about the intelligence of Beard scheduling some of these weaker non-conference teams if he's accurate saying hey we we got to figure out how we're going to fit together well now we're seeing the flip side of that because in the absence of any good wins in the non-conference every single every single good win we get is going to have to come from here and and as we struggle against Oklahoma State not to say that that's who we are but as we struggle against a team like Oklahoma State, it does make you wonder, well, Baylor's an athletic team like Oklahoma State. Kansas is an athletic team like Oklahoma State. Texas Tech is an athletic team like Oklahoma State. So does that does that is that a harbinger of some struggles against those teams that where it makes those kind of games less likely? Because if we don't – I don't think we're going to go 0 for against those teams. But if theoretically we do, if we go 0 for 6 against Baylor, Kansas, and Texas Tech – what good win do we actually have? In that, in that circumstance, our best win is, I suppose, like we'd have to like win Iowa at State. Iowa State yeah, or like win that. at Oklahoma, you know, which is both of those are possible. Uh, but it's it's tough to kind of say. So when that puts you, you know, your backs up against the wall and um, and makes you feel like, hey, we, we have no choice but to do that. It just it puts some pressure on a team that I think <laughs> this is nasty to say. 
there's not a guy on this team accolades and first team all Pac-12 and first team all Big Ten and whatever like that aside this is not a team full of dudes that have got it done in pressure situations in the biggest games that they've played. They're just, there's just not a lot of that. And even the, our best players, like a guy like Christian Bishop, who I think has been to the Sweet 16, he was not the focal point of that team, right? So, <coughs> sorry, excuse me. Um, I, I, do, I do wonder if some of those if some of those pieces are actually going to be there. Like, how much can you count on on guys that have kind of actually never done it at that level before? So... Um, so we'll see. Not trying to downplay the the ability. Not trying to say that we're not talented or gifted. Uh, we certainly are, but um, there's there's still some question marks there for us. So I did the resume thing, and I used the net ratings of of the teams uh, as of a, a couple days ago. And at that point, uh, West Virginia and Oklahoma were outside the top thirty, so they're not Q one wins. And I, I I worked out. My guess of you know how the season went and what the resume would be, and they would be Texas would be four and eleven in Q one games and five and zero oh in Q two, and the most comparable resumes in the the Torvix uh, in his calculator or his, his database with similar net ratings and that sort of thing. So that was a lot of seven, eight, nine seeds, and there were a lot of teams that you know. One zero one maybe two games or a few of the one two games in in the tournament, um, and and that can change right because West Virginia if they if they win a couple extra games then suddenly they're in the top thirty net that becomes a Q one win you know like the it's all very fungible right now but at, at a moment in time uh, right now it to me it looks like Texas will be lucky to have more than like five Q one wins and that's just not going to really do it. Yeah, and I think that obviously, on the one hand, this is a different Big 12, right? I think that there have been times where you would say in the last handful, five, six, seven years, where the Big 12 has not just been deep, but also been top heavy, you know, where you have like five or six teams that are in the top 25. That's not really this team. I think we're probably not too far away from from Baylor, Kansas, and Tech being in the top 25, and maybe nobody else. And I'm not sure that the committee is going to really weight the big 12 in the same way that they have um you know because I, I mean because tech last year what they were nine and they were nine and eight i want to say in the big 12 and they were a six seed and that was a pretty doggone strong big 12 you know with baylor being a one seed texas was a three seed kansas i want to say was a two seed maybe they were the three seed but um regardless you know like that was that was just a little bit different and so i, I don't think that this particular iteration of the big 12 is going to carry quite the same weight that that uh that maybe previous ones have so again just more of an impetus as johnny said of uh, we got to find those wins we, i mean we, not that i don't want to beat the best teams but but we just i don't think we can afford to lose to some of the the weaker teams this year let's look ahead and look at the iowa state game texas is going to play the cyclones and i in ames seems like it's always a hard game because they really care about the basketball and their sports and it aims. They're pretty amped right now because of how much better this team is than, than even they expected as well. Yeah. I mean, yeah, their defense just is night and day from what people thought. In fact, the entire big 12 is just basically the big 10 football, but as a basketball conference, it's, it's what is it? Three, three yards and a cloud of dust, three missed, no, three clanks and a cloud of dust. That's, that's the big 12 right there. Uh, six moving screens and a cloud of dust. Yeah, there you go. What are we going to be seeing in Iowa State? 
They play harder shit. They 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 play really hard. Oh, so another cool. another gritty team in the Big Twelve. <laughs> yep. You know, being around being around the Cyclones as much as I am because of you know the you know the the, the news outlets that I pay attention to, and obviously a lot of Cyclone fans in 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 and around me here. Um, they're shocked. <laughs> this was this was not the this was not the narrative uh, two months ago. But Otzelberger, you know, he's he's playing guys that really buy in. They're, they're the team concept is there. They're playing super hard defensively. They swarm really well. Uh, they get some kind of clutch shot making when they need it. They're a team that kind of is ugly until they're not. Uh, so in some of those clutch moments, they've done a really good job. And they they just sort of he Otzelberger is sort of sliding right in as as a as a kind of like. Uh, Big 12 kind of guy as far as as far as style of play and, and what they're looking at and you know at a place like Hilton that that's a big difference maker for them you know they hung in there at, at, at Hilton against Baylor um, that's a game that kind of could have gone either way um, Baylor pulled away pretty late there but otherwise you know I want to say Iowa State was a, a a late layup by Kansas away from from being a you know a possible upset there too so this is a I, this is a, a missed goaltend call in the fog <laughs> who could have predicted yeah. who what what were the odds so yeah they just I just would say like if this is this is sort of like meat and potatoes Big Twelve stuff right like you said Will I, I think that that's actually really appropriate this uh, this uh, this comparable uh, this comparable idea to Big Ten football like it's just it, that's just what it is again they're gonna play hard they're gonna play they're gonna control the tempo they're gonna try to get Good looks late in the shot clock. They're Who doesn't love gritty, hard-nosed, fundamental? I'll tell you what. I don't know if you guys watch Auburn, Alabama here. at all. I re- I'd recorded that, but man, that was a lot of fun. <laughs> I don't know what we're going to play like when we go to the SEC, but I, I, I welcome some what of those do, track meets. What do you mean SEC next year? Alabama's yeah. going to kick Texas's ass. It's... We're not we're not talking football, my dude. No. <laughs> so, so, but yeah, it, it's just, it's hey, get... Uh, hurry up and wait for for kind of more of the same stuff here with that. But yeah, Iowa State's they're well coached. They play really hard, and yeah, we'll see. Especially in Hilton, tough stuff. I, I think it's um, it's interesting to me that uh, Iowa State. That, so their 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 defensive and offensive metrics uh, have taken a, a beating uh, during Big Twelve play. But they've also played Baylor, Tech, and Kansas as three of their four games. So there's there's a little bit of caveat there. Uh, even with them playing three of the best teams in the Big 12, they still are turning guys, turning teams over at a high rate. Uh, they're they're still forcing. Um, you know, they're they're stealing the ball a lot, which is interesting. Uh, and I think if Texas. If Texas is not careful, they are going to get some of their own mess, uh, own medicine in, uh, in, in lazy passes that get picked off and taken the other way. Um, Iowa State's offense is not good. They have individual playmakers and they have moments where things look good, but just overall, they're they're just not very good. And their their rebounding has been pretty bad, at least in Big Twelve play. And I think even in a, They've, they've done a better job at offensive rebounding and non-conference play, but some of the teams they've played have not been so hot. So, you know, again, sort of there, there's a little bit of a caveat there. I I think Texas and Iowa State is a really interesting matchup. I, I think this one could definitely go either way. I would probably make Iowa State a mild favorite in this, uh, especially because it's in, at Iowa State. And one, like, like Tim mentioned, the fans there are – really into it and they they really give their their team a boost students will be back 
Oh, so. yeah, that, and that will help. Not not that they needed it, but it, it will definitely help. And Texas has just not started well away from home yet. Like I, I can't think of a game where they just really got off the got off the blocks well. So, yeah, it's it's going to be a tough game, and I, I I would not be surprised if Iowa State wins this one. So, what is Texas going to need to do to make sure that they win here? Is is there kind of a key to the game that you're going to be watching for? You got to take the crowd out of it whenever you can. I, I think they got to be careful to not allow. Iowa State to sort of get into some of those runs that they're famous for with those, you know, in, inside of that stadium. So they got to be careful with that. They got to make sure that they get off to a fast start, things like that. Just if you let the crowd get rocking and they will get loud and crazy. And if you if you kind of get yourself behind the eight ball there, Iowa State has the athletes to defend you kind of everywhere. So I think it's going to be an interesting dynamic once again is what do we get from Ramey what do we get from Carr when Ramey steps up and hits threes at home against West Virginia we look good when Andrew Jones comes in and like is hitting his shots against Oklahoma we look good if those guys struggle because we don't have the playmaking on the road against a team that can really defend and can you know match us athletically uh, you know we'll see like is how quality of shots are we going to get that kind of stuff. I think it's going to help. I think Jay should be back. Mitchell, I believe, should be back. We'll see kind of what both of those guys can give from a minute standpoint. But I think we should be, hopefully, you know, COVID aside, uh, with, with you know, whatever might come in the next few days, we hope to be as close to full strength as possible. So from that standpoint, I, I do think that we're going to have the depth to hurt them a little bit. And when we, you know, when we can get some of that playmaking uh, going towards the rim, we're looking good. We struggled to get towards the rim against Oklahoma State. And even when we did get into the rim, they were able to block us. I'm not sure that Iowa State's going to have quite the interior presence that Oklahoma State did, so that's a positive for us. But but they can they can stay in front of the ball as well as Oklahoma State can. So, um, you know, I just I just think it's the big thing is it's it's when stuff gets going downhill for Iowa State in Hilton, you know, it just it can be really difficult to get back in there. Now Baylor has the shot makers to kind of take care of business in that and they were able to hang in there. Will Texas have similar shot making capabilities? I don't know. And I don't think if this becomes a rock fight, if this is like Oklahoma like we thought it might be, if this is a first team to sixty, you gotta like Iowa State's chances there at home. So um, if there's ever a game where Texas could probably stand to, to kick up the tempo a little bit and try to get maybe into the high 60s or low 70s, that could be positive for us as well. But, yeah, you, you just you have to find ways to keep to keep Iowa State. It's got to be five on five, not six on five. So I, I think I'm going to be pretty interested in how uh, Tristan and Aruna plays against Trey Mitchell and, you know, maybe Timmy Allen or, you know, Christian Bishop, whoever he's on, because Anaruna is, uh, you know, he, he was a Kansas player who transferred. He has Kansas level athleticism and he's not going to be afraid of a guy like Trey Mitchell. Uh, and they, they have somewhat similar, uh, you know, sort of, I, I mean, I guess I would say Anaruna is more athletic, but they, they, that's going to be an interesting matchup. Um, I also think that, it's uh, incumbent upon Texas to make sure that they keep an eye on the weak side uh, guys in the corner because if someone like Caleb Grill starts getting hot, uh, then the threes are going to start falling. And, you know, one of the things about Iowa State's 
Iowa State's offense is not good, but it has moments where it gets really hot. And when it's rolling, it gets really rolling. And it's, part of it is because they have multiple guys who can hit threes. And, and so um, it, is, it is really imperative that Texas does not uh, let those guys get loose for open looks. Last and probably least, Kansas State. Texas faces Kansas State at home. How much does a win mean for Texas this season? I I think uh, at that point, so before Kansas State, is this one of those games where it's it's a no win? It's you're supposed to win this, and if you win it, okay, fine. If you lose it, it's it's the it's not the end of the world, but it's it's big. Yeah, if if you're of the opinion that I am that Kansas State seems the most likely to end up tenth in the conference, then you gotta sweep them if you have any any designs on the upper half of the big 12 finish and you know kansas state is now 0-4 after losing to tcu they have to play tech at home and then they go to texas so they're gonna and at that point they'll be eight and eight and and probably and five in the conference and coming to texas and you know if if you can't beat a Kansas State team that is probably going to be kind of dragging ass at that point, then what what are we doing here, right? Um, it, yeah, yeah, I agree with Johnny. I think in from from that's one of those games where you never say never. Like you never say, oh, if we lose, then we had no shot at the tournament. But that that's that's a loss that uh, that probably means a couple of things. First of all, that's a that's probably like a rung or two. <laughs> From a seeding standpoint, in the in the big dance, uh, so even if we did make it, that's a loss that that puts you in a situation where the you're giving the committee reasons to not believe in you when you lose a game like that. Uh, and also, then like it just it just if we're if we lose, it, it means two things to lose a game at home to Kansas State. First of all, we're capable of losing to a team like that, which would be a pretty damning statement. And then also, that's also saying, hey, we're. Um, now we're going to have to manufacture even more wins against the best teams in the conference. Cause if we're, you know, if we can lose to them at home, not only who else can we lose to, cause if we can't beat them at home, can we win in Norman? Can we win at Iowa state? You know, tougher stuff. So, um, yeah, I, I, that's, you, you hate to call anything a must win in this conference. Cause again, we've been talking over and over about how, how, sol- how solid it is. And even the bottom of the conference is still plenty capable, but, um, but that's boy, that's a loss that would be pretty pretty damaging for a number of reasons. Yeah, if Texas loses to Iowa State and then Kansas State, and they're three and three in the conference, and they still have those ten games at the end to deal with, um, that that starts getting pretty rough. Like, it, if they end up at three and three after this next week in the conference it's going to be real hard to be 500 in the conference, in my opinion. Like they're going to have to pull up, they're either going to have to, you know, insert some COVID wards into some blocker rooms or something like that. It's going to have to get real creative to to find ways to to manufacture some wins. What it's worth. If we're four and two, it will still be kind of hard to get to 500. (laughs) Not to say that we can't do it, but like even like, like three and three makes it damn near impossible on top of thinking like, Oh, if we're three and three, then maybe we're just not very good. But even <laughs> there's, there's, there's plenty of, there'd be plenty of red flags But four and two, even, even with that would be tough. So, so yeah, hope, hoping for the best this week. Yeah. Cause then Oklahoma state comes to town after that. So hooray. <laughs> <laughs> All right. 
Well, I think we're getting it off there, y'all. Thank you for pretending we were football for the past hour. I've been your host, Will Bazer. You guys can find me on Twitter at W-I-L-L-B-A-I-Z-E-R. Johnny Brashear, where can we find you? Uh, find me on Twitter at BitterWhiteGuy, Substack, uh, BitterWhiteGuy.substack.com. At some point, I'm going to say that in a fluid and organic way, but not this week. Uh, also, uh, we, we have a Discord uh, for, for Horns Gas. And, uh, Ooh, y'all should join that. Yeah, that sounds cool. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm on there too, and uh, people don't like me there either, but that's, that's pretty par for the course at this point. Tim, where can we find you, bud? Uh, Twitter at Inside Texas Hoop, no S, and uh, on InsideTexas.com. Awesome community, awesome people. Come hang out with us. And if y'all are so inclined to throw some money our way, we have a patron, Patreon as well, uh, Hornscast Patreon, if you want. We have four great donors and two amazing donors, uh, Brittany M. and Cole C., who are helping sponsor this show and the other ones on this channel. Thanks to y'all. We can do this every week. On that note, thank y'all for listening. We'll see y'all next week. Hook them. Hook them horns.